Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi there, watchers and listeners. We're back again with Harvey Burnett, part two. And this one is carrying on from the first, full of positivity, full of tools, full of perspective change and tools to harbour your own mindset and really pushing you to make changes and start doing the work for yourself today. This episode is once again brought to you by Viva Life. Please follow the link in bio, use the code HHG10 at checkout, get something for yourself, improve your life. As well, I am now ambassador for College of Naturopathic Medicine. You can receive £250 off any of their diploma courses, so please follow the link in bio and have a gander. If you want to reskill, change path or just educate yourself there's so many useful tools and so much information out there you really should check it out if that's something you're interested in so please enjoy the episode there's another corker i can't wait for this to be released so enjoy and share it rate us on apple Podcasts if you enjoy the podcast share it with your friends and love you lots thank you Welcome back to Health Home Truths. Welcome back, Meg. Welcome. And we're joined once again by Harvey Burnett. We had to do another one with you. This is part two. Never left. Yeah. <laughs> we actually haven't... Been welcomed twice. It's <laughs> about like, what, half an hour later? You've never left. It's all for them. It's not for you, mate. It's not about me. <laughs> it's not about you right now. Sorry. Well, we, we had to do a part two and carry on from what we were talking about earlier. Well, from the many conversations we've had in the last couple of days and... Yeah, I, I wanted to start by asking you more about whilst you were going through your, your treatment and your chemotherapy, mm-hmm. you didn't stop training. You treated it as a training program and there was actually a study or a paper written about this. If yeah, you could, if you could not explain about me. that. <laughs> but written about it's the not, topic. It's not, it's not about you. It's again. not all about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I did mention at the start that I wanted to maintain training through the programme. Um, I, I was almost like met with mockery and laughter, you know, people were like, that's not going to happen. Um, and it didn't happen the way I imagined it to happen, but it did happen still. You know, I, I you know, I, radiotherapy started the last three months of treatment and I was running to a few of the appointments. I mean, not all out of choice, a couple because I was late. <laughs> <laughs> But I ran nonetheless. <laughs> um, but yeah, things like doing exercise, bike and press-ups. And I did a lot of walking, yeah. a lot of walking. Um, and yeah, like you said, I treated it like a training program because one thing that's never let me down is exercise. It's always been a therapy. It's always had a positive effect. It was the first thing that made me realise I was sick because it was declining through, you know, like you've got a formula, haven't you, for training? Mm. Hard work, the right food, or the right fuel. And like consistency or repetition, and you get the direct results. 
So when I was training and when my fitness was dropping and the more I trained, the more unfit I got, you know, alarm bells were ringing. Um, and for a long time, that was put down to a mindset. Like a lot of people had written me off as having lost, you know, they were like, oh, you And that was up. with like rugby league. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, I'd like to point out the fact that this is not anybody's fault because why would you ever have thought that, you know, the cancer mm. was the reason you just wouldn't. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely had an effect. And I said I wanted to train throughout. And the paper released afterwards. Again, that's not about me. <laughs> um, the title is Harley Burnett, the full story. <laughs> the inside scoop. <laughs> Exclamation mark. <laughs> um, yeah. Day two with the Big Brother Ward. <laughs> um, no, but it did. Like, there's a couple of things that I took from it. And there's a couple of things that I've read from the paper. And the paper does mention the fact that, like, Different diseases and illnesses require different, like, you know, inputs and outputs. And one of them is, like, if you've got a common cold, you should wrap up in bed and you should get better and let your immune system fight it. If you've got cancer, like, there's nothing wrong with your immune system, you know. It's being attacked by the treatment, but actually training can benefit you, you know. Release good endorphins, can make you feel positive. It makes you healthier as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Training's good. That's something you said earlier, like, why would you drop any healthier habit yeah. when you're sick? That's when you need it the most. Yeah, well, I, like, people were talking about... Just eating, they were like, if you can eat, eat anything. And I was like, what? I was like, if we're going to eat, you should eat good. Yeah. Why wouldn't you eat good? Like, that, the rules haven't changed because of the situation I'm in. And in fact, they're probably more, <laughs> yeah. more in play. Yeah. You should eat the most optimum diet for health. Yeah, yeah. So I did, I trained. And one of the, one of the biggest things that I was told going into treatment was to keep a diary. Uh, it's something that I definitely should do more. And I, it, I kind of have adapted that. That's what my to-do list is. Mm. But... Keep a diary when there's something you know that's going to be repetition um, because you're going into something that's unknown. You know, you are. This should, the training program, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, but if you keep note of something, you realise a pattern start to emerge. So for me, I was in hospital for a week, so I had a week's off of chemo and then I'd have a week off to recover. And then in that week off, I knew that by week two or three, I needed two days off off. You know, I would lie in bed. I would do nothing. I would mm. eat steamed vegetables that my lovely mother would prepare for me. <laughs> I literally wouldn't get off the sofa and I'd lie there feeling horrendous for two days. And once those two days were over, that was it. I was like, right, no excuses, get up, out. Mm. And that really that helped something me. you set in your head? No, it was just something that, just something that I couldn't came. for two days. It, I couldn't. Enough. Yeah, and that's like, really interesting. I mentioned in the last podcast, mm -hmm. or sorry, episode 17, talking about Jay Shetty mm -hmm. and how he said, we can't always be on. I know your circumstances yeah. are completely different. You're literally, no, it's true. You're it's literally true. forced to what, take those two days to do poison. absolutely nothing. Yeah. But he says out of your month, the two days where you're completely off yeah. anything. Don't be yeah. thinking about work. Yeah. Just do nothing. Let anything happen. Yeah. And that's basically what you're saying there. You needed those two days Definitely. fully switched off. Definitely. Mm. And then like after that, I would build up slowly to do more and more things. It'd be a walk on the first day, you know, and then on the last day, the day before treatment, I'd try and get something good in. And generally, that'd be walking my dog or so. You know, I wasn't training ridiculously. Like, it was... I did press-ups every day, did them in hospital. You know, I went on the exercise bike in hospital, little things like that, mm. just to keep me ticking over, just to... As, and as I said, the more you do, the more you can answer for yourself. So I figured the pattern would happen in terms of like how I was feeling and the side effects and stuff like that. Mm. And instead of them being like, oh no, another thing that's from really struggling with, actually I was like, oh cool, if I did this, then I could counteract that. Or is this something I'm just gonna put up with? Is this something that, and you have genuine choices you can make. Like mm. something I battled with and it was really difficult was the fact that your skin goes really soft and delicate, like super soft. Cause obviously 
with like your seven layers or whatever it is and the other ones the oldest skin on the outside obviously chemotherapy kills all your old cells so that's how it gets rid of the cancers it kills all the old cells and should eventually stunt the growth of new ones because it attacks that kind of thing mm. so your skin, skin does get really soft so when i was doing lots of walking and running and things the soles of my feet would just blister the skin would come off and like it was like and I can understand why somebody would be like, oh, right, we'll stop walking. Well, yeah, it's like, do anything. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, actually, it's a blister. You know, like, oh, am I going to add on the fact that oh, I've got cancer and my skin's bad? I'm like, no, that's when you start to get weighed down by everything. You know, <laughs> a blister's a blister. Like, mm -hmm. get on with it. Like, and there are other things. Like, I wouldn't have known I needed help with blisters until I started walking. So then I was like, okay, cool. You know, compete. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's that was so good. <laughs> God bless compete. <laughs> like, I always have a mummy. Compete and Rennie's. <laughs> like, yeah. Rennie, I get heartburn so bad. Yeah. Oh, but so do I. You can't, you know, you can't take Rennie's with other medication because it stops the absorption of it through your stomach lining. Really? Yeah. So you, I had to move on to special things, you know, like this special treatment and stuff. But again, answers I didn't know I needed yeah. until I started doing things. So yeah, I trained through it and did training have a massive impact on my treatment probably not but like did it keep me motivated did it make me like men you know all those endorphins mm. you get did it make me feel better about myself like yeah of course it did like there's a whole host of chemical mm. reactions and physical adaptations that would have helped i think Completely. i think if you'd sat and done nothing i think from the get-go having your mindset yeah your mindset on training yeah yeah and then it evolved into what it was, which was getting on the exercise bike, walking mm -hmm. loads, which are all very healthy habits. And yeah. some people don't do that at all. And, and you're, you're yeah. doing this on top. Well, I think it's that secondhand high as well. For me, the biggest thing was to never show any weakness. Never show an ounce of weakness. Because it wasn't for me. It was for like my mum, for like other people around me, for the nurses. Because it's a horrible job to have to do. Mm. You know, like, especially if people are all doom and gloom, like... You know, you're just delivering bad news all the time. Yeah, you're just yeah. helping them. And, like, I said this to my mum. Like, my mum helped me for a lot of stuff. You know, she was always there. And, like, she would say... It got to a point where she spoke to somebody and she realised she had to make more effort for herself. Not for me, for her. Because she had stopped dyeing her hair. You know, oh, I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning all this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, too late. <laughs> Sorry, she'd stopped dyeing her hair. She wasn't exercising properly. Like, she was making sure I ate properly. She wasn't. And she realised that that was having a negative impact, not on me necessarily, but on other people around her. Because they'd be like, mm. oh, are you all right, Julie? Like, are you okay? Because you're not looking great, you know? And that's where negative thoughts stem from. Mm. So, like, do these small actions make a difference? Yes. Did it make an immediate difference? No, not even a little bit, you know? But it's, they all accumulate. Yeah. It's massive. those micro habits that yeah. eventually they accumulate and the, the compound interest over time is something bigger than the sum of its parts. Also, you have somewhere to go. If you come in here and you're like, right, nothing from the start, when you start to feel rough, you, you're still doing nothing. Whereas when it got to the tail, like the back end of my treatment, I was doing less and less and less and less and less and less. You know, physically I was less able and like, mentally i wasn't there you know like it was really really draining towards the end which you know every, like you do anything's accumulative yeah which it is but i'll still be walking i'll yeah. still be doing things and other people just quit mm -hmm. because training is also accumulative so you know like if you've done nothing you're just going to get worse and worse it's and worse. that starting point yeah the treatment's going to knock you for six and like in my head i drew diagrams so this is death you know, death's here for everybody. You know, you go below that, you die. No matter what the situation, like, that's it. So, like, if you can start here, great. If you can start here, even better. But, like, equally, don't just drop. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's that saying? If you think of it like a visual aid, 
Make sure you're above that line the whole time. Just having that yeah. as like a as like a battery. Yeah. How full your battery is. And like because you're because I was sick at that moment in time, it doesn't change like the physics or like the life rules, you know, like you you you've touched on it a lot and it's something that like absolutely fascinates me and I'm so keen to do is work with you further on like my diet and mm. you know the holistic stuff because you mentioned things like reversing disease mm. and like preventing stuff and like why not do that all day every day? Mm-hmm. Why is it not the default yeah. diet? And yes. then also when you reach a situation where you're like, oh, this isn't great, that's the perfect time to start. <laughs> Get on it. Like if you're already down and if you're already feeling these issues or problems or ailments, now is the time to start. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that's that's what we're talking about. Dr. Gregor says, why isn't this whole food plant this diet, the default diet? Yeah. For anything, if it can reverse the lifestyle diseases that we've created, such as Alzheimer's, cancer, heart disease. Mm-hmm. Because it's been proven in research and clinical trials and epidemiological studies across the board that it can reverse these diseases so quickly yeah as well as yeah. diabetes with diabetes people have to be monitored so closely yeah you can reverse otherwise because if they're injecting insulin if they if they go on the whole food plant-based diet they can endanger themselves they have yeah. to be they have to be closely watched so they can alter their medication or most of the time take them off it immediately i mean something you just said is about getting used to that diet yeah completely nobody tells you about the pros and cons to many things. People tell you what they want to tell you. And like, during treatment, I decided to go vegan. Like, because, you know, I haven't seen game changers, seen things like that. I was always trying to experiment with things that would give me a better chance or give mm. me an edge, you know. Same as in sport, you know. doesn't change. Like, if you can get an edge, go for an edge. Yeah. Um, something I've been fixated on as well, like, through treatment, was I didn't accept drugs. You know, like, they offer you so many drugs and, like, science has come so far and it's a beautiful thing. But like I tried to do it on as few drugs as possible um, that were given to me. Like I took anti-sickness because of yeah. it was a lifesaver. Mm. But like that, I had to come off that because well, because I had a heart attack, so I had to go into something else. And like there were so many options, but I chose to like not take drugs a lot of the time because I wanted to know how I felt. Yeah. And I feel like mask drugs mask a lot of things. So when they people do. are giving me so much stuff, when I was doing my training. When I was taking anti-sickness, I would push myself, sorry, not anti-sickness, when I was taking painkillers at rugby training, I'd push myself through a physical barrier that shouldn't have been pushed through. And that's when you kind of get injuries and stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when I went into treatment, I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, I would like as few as possible. Like I'll take some obviously when I need them and as and when, but I want as few as possible because the number one thing is being in tune with your own body. I knew what I needed. Mm. I knew what I wanted and drugs masked that. So by training and changing things, like you said, listen to yourself. Exactly. And that, you take the, you're off with the drugs, obviously, to fight yeah. a symptom or fight yeah. something. But with that comes a whole host of other effects. Completely. And they have to in, in, put other drugs in your system to try and fight those side yeah. effects. And it's a never-ending cycle. And you're, it's yeah. probably one of the best decisions you made. Because otherwise, you'd, you wouldn't know how you felt. Yeah. And you'd, you'd be full of other side effects and other all these other negative effects rather than taking the approach of trying to optimise your diet, optimise yeah. everything you can before taking drugs. Yeah. And I'm never advising anyone to go against their doctor ever because mm. they know what they're doing. However, if you think they're wrong, don't be scared. You know, don't be scared. I'm not saying 
ignore their own, but like bring it up, you know, things like that. Like, and that again, translates to all walks of life. Like if you're not comfortable with something and you think you know better, challenge it. Mm. Like work it out. That's how you learn, you're right? Like we challenge each other all the time on yeah. theories and stuff. And like the ability to be wrong is what learn, that's learning. Yeah, you know and I mean? that, that's a powerful thing actually. Mm. Thinking you're right about everything and letting your ego, your inner child take control. Yeah. And not being able to accept that someone else has brought something to you, you'd be like, I already knew that, or I, yeah. oh, I, you can't wait to chime in with your, you know, 11 a reef, you know. I've been to Tenerife, oh no, 11 a reef. <laughs> I, I went there last year, actually, I was there last week for ages. Why don't you just accept something or Completely. allow yourself to be wrong and allow yourself to learn? Yeah. Really take your ego out of the equation, let your inner child take the seat. <laughs> well, if you're never wrong, you're never right. No, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're always saying no and it's always you, well, then you're never going to actually be right. Exactly. And, <laughs> and that's the good thing about losing as well. In sport, like, we, how many games have you played? How many games have you lost? I lost well, probably many. Probably <laughs> Yeah, likewise. <laughs> I, I lost so much. And you know, it really does humble you. And it really allows Definitely. you to take that criticism and to look at yourself objectively and look at how you operate and have that objective view. Puts well, into I think... I think that refers back to, you know, when I was saying a happy's lazy. Mm. Often that's the case because when you're happy, things are going right. So you're not figuring how to, you have to make any changes. You often aren't learning. You know, there's lots of things with that. Being happy is great and it is the end goal. You know, mm. so if you can keep it, keep it. Like, I'm not challenging it. But It's the now goal. Yeah. Is Be yeah. happy in your mistake. Exactly. A mistake happens. Oh, what's the solution? Or what can I go yeah. from here? And rather how can than I change that? that? <laughs> 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 not being happy, but like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How can I change this mess in a happy way? <laughs> yeah, and so it that, is, you know, positive. It, just be positive about things. Be proactive. Yeah. Like, proactive is quite a big, you know, like, proactive is, like, the number one thing. <laughs> I, I said that to you earlier. I was like, when, when there's someone in the household or something that maybe they're, they're taking something on themselves and they're, they're maybe upset or projecting something, I say, what can we do to be proactive about this? That's a stance I always take. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, you were saying, like, if I'm, if I'm not panicking, but if I'm, like, overwhelmed or something... Being proactive yeah. is always the answer. Confused as well. Yeah. Confused, big one. Because if you don't, if you're not proactive, you're frozen. You're not doing anything. Yeah. yeah. Proactivity is so important. Definitely, definitely. And I think being confused is directly, usually it's directly reflected in productivity. You know, like procrastination, you know, things like that. They're all things that you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure, so I'm not going to, you know, it's like not committing. Well, at that point, that's the time to commit. You know, just make a decision, commit, because mm. you're stalling. Like, doing nothing's wrong. <laughs> you're, you're losing time. Yeah. You're, you're, the, the longer you wait, the worse it gets, the worse it builds up in your head. It's like that flip a coin thing I said to you. I was listening to, like, a businessman who was doing a great talk, um, and he talks about flipping a coin on decisions. He says, when you come to a decision and you don't know what to do, flip a coin, make a decision, stick with it. He said, you will never know the other option. You will never know. Like, you could have made the best business decision of your life, walked out, hit by a bus. You can't, like, foresee the future, like we've touched on before. Yeah, we literally said this in the yeah. last pod. So d d don't bother trying to analyse a decision you didn't make. Yeah. Only analyse the one you did make, and then be proactive about it there on. It's that, it's <laughs> yeah. that anxious attachment. Yeah. So you go back and you think about every little interaction or social interaction or with your partner you're thinking oh this could have been different or you're thinking about that all the time over and over again whereas that is all in the past that's done that doesn't exist yeah. anymore all you I, can do is think on now yeah and again relates to another point you know like people thinking that success and positive things are deserved and negative things are some sort of terrible thing that's happened to them it's bad luck like the saying you make your own luck i've loved it 
I've always loved that saying, mm. but I feel like most people interpret it wrong. They think, oh, you know, if I do X, Y, and Z, you know, I might get lucky. No, like luck is the same as yin and yang. You know, it's exactly that. It's just one component of life, bad luck and good luck. It's balance. It all refers back to, you know, your perception of something and how you go forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And we talked about this yesterday in the kitchen. It's the one of Newton's laws. Yeah. The equal and opposite reaction. Something you do. There's going to be another reaction from yep. it, and that's the butterfly effect. Just like you said, one thing you make one decision. Yeah. There's no other reality, no other yeah. outcome now. You can't think about the other outcome because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's like the, it. It's like the people who invest in like cryptocurrency and then they they sell early or they invest in something or they got the opportunity. Yeah. And then they think, oh, if if. If, if I should it, if this. Yeah. But you can't think that. You can't if you think you that, don't know the other option. And you're ruminating, you're constantly in that reality, which is yeah. inherently negative. Because mm-hmm. you're thinking, oh, that could have been better, my life yeah. could have been better. But that's doesn't exist. You shouldn't no. think that way. No. And that goes for anybody and everybody. And I think people often touching on social media, but like social media itself is a facilitator for this because people do it anyway. You know, they only look at the good bits of everyone's life because you don't necessarily share the bad which I think is a terrible trait, <laughs> terrible trait. But only seeing good things makes you feel like someone's lucky. You pass ownership of where you are to, to circumstances and things. Mm. And again, that is a real bad state to be in because you end up doing nothing because you're like, oh, it's out of my hands. Yeah. And if you break it down and you rationalise it, you're like, oh, actually, <laughs> X, Y, and Z, oh, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> you can't see the steps before that. Yeah. You can't see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, we touched on this, didn't we? You know, and I said... The one, the I don't often get riled by things people have said, but the one thing that always has bothered me is when I went semi-pro in rugby and things just started to wind down, I was working alongside it. People would say to me, I can't believe, they say, I can't believe you're so lucky. Like, I wish I had something that I was talented at that I could just do on a weekend to earn money. And it's like, well, you haven't seen the years of like genuine blood, sweat, and tears. You know, you, you, you've been there. I'm talking about your. Your, the injuries you picked up, the pain you actually <laughs> yeah. had to endure and pushing through pain. Like, what have you done? You, I mean, you've got a whole list of things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. do, would you want... Encyclopedia of yeah, Would you want this as well? Because yeah. that's what came with this. It's not only that, it's the, like, the health things you live with forever afterwards. Yeah. And what know? were you working with now? Like, both of us are constantly <laughs> stretching now and, like, lying on the floor, groaning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think if you if you did a full body examination, you'd be like, yeah, no worries, you're healthy for a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, 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 yeah, it just goes to show. Yeah. People see one thing. And I, I love that you mentioned social media and that people won't show the bad sides of it and the negatives. Yeah. And that's a good thing. I think it's a great thing about us allowing, allowing ourselves to be open. Yeah. Like open with the negatives and mistakes we've made. Yeah. Yeah. Rather completely. than, I mean, that's why I took a whole break from social media. Yeah. It's a, it, that's a positive action, I think. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, you're right. It was a huge positive action. It was actually post-seizure. I had a lot of realisations. That's when I actually went, uh, made the choice to go fully vegan. Oh, no. And it wasn't like a thought, like, I'm going to do this forever. It's just like, I'm doing this now. It's just yeah. an action now. And I'm going to play with these rules now, play with this. Let's see how I go. Again, a- 
proactive, positive change that could have gone wrong. Mm. You may not, it might not have sat right with you. Like myself, I'm not vegan anymore. You no. know, I'm mainly vegetarian, yeah. but that's just a choice that I made to suit me. Yeah. And as I say, like, I'm still adapting. Like, not to say I won't be a vegan in a month or yeah. I won't be a full meat. Like, yeah. It doesn't know. Yeah. But you made a proactive change. And I, I actually really like the way you describe it. And I've met a few people that are saying that have gone down the route that I've gone, which was fully like whole food plant-based yeah. and like really uh, stubborn and unwilling like i'll have i'll make my own whole grains i won't even eat white yeah. pasta i won't even touch certain things and i was so restricted and putting myself in a box extreme yeah, yeah. I, I, i'm constantly flipping to the extremes and trying to balance myself out and i've met people that put perspective in yeah mm-hmm. and they're they're flexible with it and they've shown me and really showed me that life's too short to be set in one way and to be so and to allow this mindset of this disordered eating, which is what it is, control you and yeah. control you and maybe make you a little bit more awkward with your life and not allowing the flow, which is not why happy. I really respect the way you and the other people I've met, you know, you're flexible with it. If something comes, you'll you'll allow it. It's like when we were talking about the banquet in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like comes that. to you, someone's made something for you and prepared it with love and they want to share this with you, you'll you'll take it and you won't you won't restrict yourself. Yeah. I mean follow you know like talk about someone having put effort in and made something like it was always a thing in my house like we had family dinners we'd sit down and my brother would put salt on everything before he ate and i remember my mum having a go at him and saying like that's rude she's Mm. like you haven't even tried it before you've salted it Mm. she was like so like you said let things happen then make a decision like don't act upon it early like just let things come to you you. don't know yet you don't know yet it might be too salty yeah it might be too salty But that, that's exactly right. That's um, and something I heard from my Scottish auntie, shout out to Aileen, is the slow food movement, which is talking about preparing things slow. You know, yeah. really being mindful. This is just being present, being mindful when you're preparing your food, taking the time, putting love into it, because yeah. that really reflects that the food will take that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guarantee if you had two people, an angry person, make you a meal and they give it to you, they give it to you in that way, or they preface it with it's probably not that good, or. You know, if yeah. someone pres- prepares something with love and gives that love to you and that energy into the food, guarantee you're going to enjoy it more. And another thing was the s- slow food is in when you're eating it. Yeah. Like not salting it first, trying it, chewing it fully, really enjoying it, being present with it. That's something that Charlie taught me and and just something that he does every time he says, takes a moment with it. And that's what we're doing in Scotland a lot. You know, really... Being present, yeah. having a meditation before you eat, even if it's just small, closing your eyes, bringing yourself back to the body, and then beginning. There's lots of cultures that talk about that, you know, like Christianity, like saying grace, mm. you know, meditation. Buddhism, but, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> um, shout out to my goddaughter, Grace Nathaniel. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, no, you do. Like, there's lots of... There's lots of things to do with being mindful and like appreciating things. And like you said, letting things just happen because you know, something like we've talked about before, like in the last couple of days about facing death, I've always had a thing. Like there was a saying at training and it was like the harder the session that we always used to be like, Oh, did you see the devil? Because it would be like, if you found that really hard, you'd be like, yeah, I looked him in the face, you know, because you're like, I went to that place, yeah, that yeah. dark, dark place. And I'm still here, you know, and that was <laughs> our bonding through pain kind of thing. But that's like a metric as well. Yeah. Right? It's a personal metric. Like I push myself to that point. You come out and you're like, yeah, I saw the devil then. Like, <laughs> and that's what we used to say. It was like, he nearly took me. <laughs> gave me a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people think that they can avoid death. Like genuinely, the consensus is if I don't ever see it, like I'm avoiding it. 
in reality, you're near it every second of every day. Like we said, in the car, like if you were scared of it the whole time, you'd never go anywhere in the car. But the reality is you're there. That's the only one thing that we can guarantee, really. Exactly. It? It's the only guarantee in life. It's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the only, only one. It was only one. And I, I told you this in, um, so these, that's, yeah, I told you this yesterday. Mm -hmm. In awareness, he talks about a meditation you can do on your own death. Yeah. Picture yourself, picture the funeral, picture yourself in the coffin, picture yourself decomposing. And now think about your problems or and your issues you, or, or something that yeah. worries you. It's gone. It doesn't exist. If you do it right, it's incredibly relaxing. Yeah. And this is the same as we were talking before. Everything we've discussed about facing an emotion, dealing with it, rationalizing it, then moving forwards. Let it happen. Let it come to you. Because when I was diagnosed, I didn't cry at the meeting. I didn't do it. My initial reaction, instant reaction was, cool, when do we start? Like, how do we do this training program? Mm. And in my head, I'd said to myself, oh, you're holding it together because your mum's here. Like genuinely, that was what I told myself. When all the dust had settled and we'd gone home with that, I went out for a drive. I drove to Richmond Park, which is like one of my happy places, just out in the open. And I drove there and I was like, I'm gonna get to the car park and I'm gonna cry and I'm gonna let it all out. I was like, nobody's around and that's what I'm gonna do. And I pulled up there, I parked and the tunes were playing and I was like, and I ended up laughing and I was like, well, I'm not even sad, like, because I'm not dead now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What, what am I sad about? I was like, actually, this is pretty dope. I'm in like a, in a nice place to listen to my tunes. Like, I was like, this is actually quite good. Yeah. And I took from that, I was like, yeah, why not try and enjoy every day? Like you've always said, like everybody says, you know, enjoy each day like it's your last. Yeah. Or at least don't make it your last. Just enjoy each day. Yeah, <laughs> why has yeah. it got to be like it's your last? Just enjoy every day. Because if you're doing that, you're... You're not, yeah, you're right, you're not dead yet. Nope. And all you're doing is putting more suffering on yeah. your present moment yeah. rather than Enjoy enjoying it. it. And it, it's like you're trying to force that emotion. Like, I'm going to go and have a cry when it wasn't coming. Yeah. You, you were see, seeing the, all the silver linings. That's something you kept, you kept mentioning. Oh, it was, it was great. I had a year off work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I a year off work. I had Sky Sports. My so mates come to visit me. Like, yeah. My family were there. Like, I saw my dog a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I went out for dinner all the time with my mum because when I was ready to eat, we were like, oh, you know, save so much money. Genuinely save so much money on yeah. food and things. Like, I was like, oh, well, why not go out for a meal now? Let's, you know, do this. Another thing, pre-planning, like, I was fortunate enough to have insurance. I know lots of other people aren't. But, like, that's a big thing I've always said. Like, there are decisions you can make now that will give you peace of mind in a future event. Mm. You know, things like insurance, things like eating healthy, things like training right. Like, when I went into that treatment, I was like, okay, I've got insurance. I'm at a good level of health bar the cancer. Like X, Y, and Z, I was like, well, there are not that many cons bar the cancer. Mm. Like, it's a pretty big one, but <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> you're, you're taking the silver linings and you're taking the time to tick those boxes. Rationalise And th there's those boxes you tick that put in place for your future and there's ones that you tick every day. Yeah. And one of those is eating healthy, eating yeah. right, taking practices, exercise. And I own a lot of this to rugby. I, I, you know, I do. I own awful lot to rugby. Mm. Um, because that's an environment where you're not looked after. It's up to you, you know, like, and you can, and you see lads all the time get it wrong. I feel massively for, for, for athletes, I do, because it's not an easy industry. And it was something that it almost killed me in itself, you know, like nothing to do with the cancer, you know, bouts of depression, like real struggling with things from sport, like the criticism, like it's a tough industry. The same as any industry mm. where you're, futures on the line like your dreams your jobs you know the pressures it's yeah. difficult it's exactly the same as going through treatment you know you have to treat life as a whole and with with the depression was that stemming from playing yeah. playing sport yeah and having that be your livelihood and having the pressure like, yeah. describe how how that came about when did you when did you realize um oh i knew straight away yeah. but i was having a hard time 
at rugby, you know, new coaches swapping in and out, not in favour of some coaches, you know, have come off the back of the International Scotland camp, was on cloud nine, came back, new coach, didn't like me, different position. I'd got injured that season, I had hip problems, I broke my neck, you know, like I was having a bad way. Kind of recovered from him, like semi, I was nearly out the other side and I got sacked. Not long after my grandmother died, I had my best friend in a car accident, like things were on top, like it was difficult. And then I'd lost my job. And me from the age of 16, well, for earlier than that, you know, whenever we started playing rugby, rugby was life. Yeah. Uh, it was a way out of a lot of things for me, like it was my dream. So for that to have ended, I didn't know who I was. Like I knew me as Harvey, the rugby player. Mm. I didn't know who I was as Harvey. And I was almost embarrassed because I was like, oh, I'm... Your I'm, identity was linked Yeah, to and it. without rugby, I was just depressed. I was just a depressed guy that was really, really difficult. That was really hard. Um, and like, so I knew instantly, you know, I knew that was happening. Like literally lost my job, lost my house, lost my missus. It's like, actually really interesting you say that as well, because I listened to this really interesting Modern Wisdom podcast. Mm -hmm where it was this psychologist came on and outlined like 15 or I can't remember how many psychology truths, yep. like really like harsh truths. And one of them is men get depressed, well, everyone as well, without a purpose. And that's exactly what happened. Your purpose got taken away yep. from you. And then you'd be, obviously there was other circumstances that played into it, but taking away the purpose, you don't know what Well, in doing. fact, I didn't actually struggle with a lot of the things I mentioned until I lost rugby. And then that's all I cared about. And like... It was really difficult because you start to, like anybody who's been depressed will know that you make terrible decisions when you're depressed mm. <laughs> because you're negative about everything. And about yourself. You don't take yeah. care of yourself. Not at all. Not even a little bit. You stay and in that's bed, when, you don't move. Yeah, bad habits. Like, like, oh, I'll have a drink because like, it'll make me feel better. Or, like, you know, things do mm. have a knock-on effect. Definitely. And that was the first real thing I had to tackle myself. Um, that was like the start of the positive thinking, if you like. Mm. It was by no means like a good thing, but the journey out of that situation helped. Why well, you got to take it as a good thing, and that's a huge thing. You've got to take that as a positive. You've got to be grateful for even the bad things that happen in your life. And I know you you have been. It's negative at the time, or it feels negative, but coming out the back of it, it's giving you these tools, giving you this mindset to take on anything else. Yeah. And my mum helped me an awful lot through that stage. Um, not for any other reason than she was there. You know, she was around, she would do things. And actually what started to help me get out of it was one working, I got a job in a pub, like started working as a bar staff in a pub. And that really bothered me. Like that was hard because I was like, I need the money and I need to be out doing stuff. Don't want to be there and I'm, like absolutely lovely people, but I'm serving people. Like I'm, a, I'm subservient to them and I hate that anyway. You know, mm -hmm. I dislike it. I dislike being told what to do. I dislike there being that authority. I dislike not being allowed to have some sort of control. You know, you want that freedom, you want your yeah. control. It's like you validity. Yeah. Like if you're allowed to make decisions, you feel valid, you feel more present, you know, it really, really is comforting. I absolutely know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I had the same feeling. Yeah. Working in a convenience store, having people visibly have that vibe yeah being down to you don't get me wrong i had loads of lovely like interactions and mm -hmm, connections mm -hmm. with people but in that position you have it in your head you have yeah that thought and people just could treat you so badly and you have to just take it and this is what i talk about empathy because my so one of the t-shirts i would like to make my brother started is a t-shirt that says i'm me fuck you and that <laughs> offends a lot of people and i understand that and the first thing my mum said was that's really arrogant 
And I was like, she said, if you wear that, that's really arrogant. And I said to my mum, okay, what if somebody was visibly in a wheelchair wearing that top? My mum was like, well, that's fine. I was like, because it's self-confidence, because it's this, because it's that. And I was like, well, because I'm big, because I'm like, you know, some people say I'm intimidating, things like that, just nothing I can help. Me wearing that shirt is deemed arrogant because it's rude. Like, actually, you don't know what people are suffering with. You know, you don't know that I had a panic attack five minutes ago. Yeah. And that me wearing that T-shirt empowers me too. You know, that to me is something that is incredibly judgy. And again, that arrogance is something that I don't think exists. No. I don't think arrogance is a thing. There's only confidence. Well, that, and that's just mm-hmm. um, not being prejudiced and not judging a book by its cover. Yeah. It's like you said, um, it's arrogance just comes from, or, or the people seeing the arrogance comes from maybe their own projection and their own insecurity from your confidence. It's also perception. Yeah. To me, if, if, I, if you did something incredible yeah so we're playing golf together you chip a chip something in from miles out and i'm like fuck off yeah that's not a bad i haven't been rude to you like for yeah. me and you that's a terminal endearment i'm like jesus that was amazing you're like, you like celebrate together that's, yeah. that's a huge thing celebrating others success and lifting others up and out of context yeah it could be taken the wrong way but that's part of it i think you know you have to be allowed you have to allow yourself like we said to take things process it and be inquisitive mm. ask why you ran that you know, or what, there's lots of things that's akin to the empathy. You know, if you have empathy in your forefront of your mind when you're going into things, you won't be snappy, you won't be rude. You won't, because actually you think, would you know, if somebody came to me and I was really struggling and that was happening, would I want, no, no, like, no, you wouldn't, you know. And you'll you'll be inquisitive, you won't be afraid, you'll be present, you'll ask them, you'll you'll get to know them, you'll maybe make a connection, you'll be like, oh, this person's kind, this person's really nice, they're funny, they're being nice to me, we're having a good conversation. Imagine if, you know, the backstory to the t-shirt and you're like, oh, what's that? And you're like, oh, it's a t-shirt that's sold by a non-profit fund that actually, ha- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you don't know the story behind it. Equally, you could get someone to turn around and be like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be wearing that t-shirt. Then. <laughs> no, I think that's Sorry a great swearing, point. Mum. <laughs> I think that's a great point. I think, it is all about perception. It is. And it's all about personal personal work and not having your own insecurities and trying to be aware of them and not project them onto others. Yeah. Flip this camera around and you get a different image of the same place. Yeah. You'll get Megan. She's wearing that flamingo suit again. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. <laughs> no, you're right. But you do. It is. Perspective is, is everything. Perspective is everything. Because, like, you know, we're in a friendship group. There have been dramas in a group. There have been dramas in our families. Like, everybody has their own thing, which means you see things differently because your life experience is different. You know, words mean something different to you and I. Like, they do. It's perception. So you have to be better at communicating. And that's not just words. That's not just actions. It's everything to do with it. Mm. Community, communicating. You know, all these things are about rationalizing thought and being proactive to reach something that you believe in and processing it and when we were talking around the table it communicating i learned so much today already about things that i that past things that i had no idea about i'm like oh i didn't see it that way i didn't know about this like Mm -hmm. and it, it really is just about communicating yep and often the like barriers are to not communicate you know the barriers are up about communicating they're not up after you've communicated they're before that, mm. which again, do something proactive, just, you know, deal with those emotions. What is it you're identify what it is that's holding you back? And again, this is any situation, you know, like 
Johnny Wilkinson, you know, he was my idol growing up, you know, incredible guy. And it's only recently when he's released these books about crying in the changing room as a World Cup winner, mm-hmm. playing for a huge team, being this major celebrity and not being able to go out on the pitch because of his own insecurities and stuff. Like, mm. reading that makes, well, it made me feel good about myself because I was like, oh, wow, like, I'm better than Johnny Wilkinson or something. <laughs> it's not rugby. Mm. <laughs> it was something like... Um... He was so wrought with anxiety yeah. and depression that 18 minutes was the only time that he was content and he was happy yep. in his present. And that's just talking and communicating these things through and airing mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. anything. If it's a fear, if it's a worry, yeah. like, it takes a while. It takes a lot to be able to do this. And I'm, I feel grateful that we became, as a family, and we had to come together and yeah. improve our communication and be able to talk about these things through different family events and our yeah. dad becoming uh, diagnosed depression and then different things happening and it and it sometimes takes a lot and I know I bottled things up and it yeah. came to one point where it was to do with union to do with all these anxieties and it was all came to one day when I wasn't talking about this to anyone not yeah. that I wasn't happy and I was yeah. uh, I was depressed and I was struggling a lot I would just mm-hmm. not I would just be like everything's like fine I'm, yeah yeah and you 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 wouldn't don't want to burden yeah, someone else, do yeah. you? Yeah, and you and you think oh, I shouldn't, and I, I shouldn't let this out, and then it all comes out in one. It comes out. It came out in one evening for me, and I was just typing everything in my notes, pacing around my room, like having a full breakdown. And then once you break down that barrier, I remember the next day I was wearing a hoodie, and I'm like telling mum and dad, I was just crying and just. Yeah. And then once you first break that down, you put one down, one hurdle, and then from there it's just a battle to improve your communication and your openness and it's liberating really yeah. it's not weakness you can help other people as well exactly because once you've identified in it yourself you can then go and relate to other people you can help others yeah you I, know what they say like a problem shared is a problem halved and, and there's another thing you fill your cup have your cup full then you can help others yeah and from that it's really improved my communication even now you've always you're constantly working and regulating your emotions and maybe something will happen and a reaction and then i'll come back and i'll be like this is what I felt and that's mm-hmm. why I reacted that way. I apologise if I hurt you, but that's this is why it happened. And then you're right, you can you can help others and talk through things with Completely. anyone. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. That's what's good about the podcast. It's really cathartic to talk things through and open things out. And you just said that as well. Yeah. Getting the verbalizing these things is, is cathartic and it helps. It Which, helps a lot. You know, we we've touched on this outside of here, but like talking to yourself is also sharing a problem. Yeah. And I don't mean in your head. You know, there are many different ways in which you can communicate with yourself and like i mean you're dyslexic you know i'm dyspraxic so like we both went to the dumb and dumber (laughs) (laughs) wait why am i a dumber (laughs) (laughs) dumberest but but that was like we had to learn to like create different ways of communication and like learn to do things differently Mm. and one of the things that and i've read this many different places lots of people do this but you know like write something, read it to yourself, uh, you know, paint a picture. There are so many different ways to communicate and to get things out of your system that once they're done, you yourself can view them because different parts of your brain don't talk to each other. You know, it, that, that was really interesting you said. You, you would write your initial thoughts and that's your... your, your my raw emotion. Your raw emotion yeah. coming out. When you read it, you're, you're using a physical different part of your brain to yeah. process that. Completely. I found that fascinating and it's... Um, 
it's really interesting and then you're allowing yourself to yeah. see it in a different light and then maybe you say you scrap that write it again uh, do it again this was i said this didn't i about emails that i either didn't want to send or i was emotional about the outcome or something like that mm. um and that helped me a lot because it was my mum that told me initially or i think yeah my mum told me initially she said write it read it delete it because once you've read it you know you know how you feel you can now convey that in a professional manner so you write it a second time once you've written that you delete it and then your third time is the one you send and once you've written that, you send it because you're confident you haven't done what you did before. <laughs> and that's such a useful tool as well. Yeah. It's kind of simple and straightforward that all you're doing is taking you talk to multiple attempts and you're talking to yourself and talking it through. Yeah. yeah. And that reminds me of something I read in How to Win Friends and Influence People. And mm -hmm. the case study was on Abraham Lincoln and how, like you said, in an emotional response or a letter that holds a lot of emotional weight or importance, he would write it and then never send it. Yeah. He would get it down for himself and then never send it and lock it away. And they found these letters that he would write and it was just for his own process. Pretty smart. Because he didn't need to send it. It wouldn't make a difference. He was such yeah. a wise man where he... It would make it would. What would it help? Would it help that happen? It's something. Yeah, I said that. It was a, a film I watched about a Russian spy, so fictional. But the actor, when like opposed with like horrible questions or like some harsh realities, Peter, the interviewer said to him, oh, "Like you don't seem upset." And his answer was always, "Would it help?" And I have taken that and I try to use that an awful lot mm. when I'm feeling a certain way or a certain thing happens. I'm like, "Would it help if I reacted like that?" Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it might upset someone else or bring yeah, someone yeah. else into this where it's not it's not needed, it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. It's quite a stoic mentality, really, you know. Does does my emotional response help? A lot of the time, no, it doesn't. But sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the answer is yes, and you should go with that, you know, like because suppressing your emotions is equally as bad. <laughs> yeah. It's just about being aware of them and yeah. how you deal with them and how you actually take that and respond. It's taking that moment, it's having that awareness rather than initially going for it every single time. Completely. Because then that'll lead you down different roads and different paths that you might it might not serve you to do. Yeah, no, it probably won't in most cases. <laughs> you know. No. Emotional emotions are something that help you identify issues or problems or you know, they are great indicators, but they are not answers. Mm. <laughs> They're never answers. They are but they are great indicators. And you said earlier there's thousands of different feelings like there's oh, no way we can map them all. almost unlimited yeah and there's there's something interesting actually talking about say a pig or a cow or a uh, horse yeah they have a completely different conscious space or a dolphin as well they have emotions and feelings that we couldn't even explain we don't even have the words completely, to explain it. yeah they have different ones that that we couldn't even fathom no. at all well equally I'm as different to you yeah. as a dolphin is to and me. Our, know, our own perception, yeah. yeah. Completely. Every person is unique and different and there's a different a different different requirements they have and different ways this is what communicating does, you know. This is why what you do is so prolific and incredible because it's a one on one thing where you get to know someone and you tailor something that helps, you know, because that is the truth. There's no one size fits all. Mm. It is an individual requirement. It is something you have to talk about. This isn't something someone can answer for you, you know. I've hated having my parents in anything I've done because, like, you behave a certain way in certain scenarios. You know, you're trained to behave a certain way. You know, like, if a police officer comes into a room, oh. <laughs> you know, you behave I didn't do anything. 
didn't do it. <laughs> it's like a, a trained response. And so say if your parents are there in an interview, it would be horrendous. You know, oh, tell me what your strengths are. Oh, X, Y, Z. Oh, no, you're not good at that. Yeah, <laughs> it will completely change how you, you, you put yourself out there. Yeah. It so change how you respond. Try to get rid of the frames. Try to get rid of the expectation. Mm. Again, rationalise. And if somebody has more knowledge with you, ask. Learn from people, you know take what they've done and utilise it to benefit you. And that, that's one of the major things, taking something from a film, from anything, taking yeah. little bits from everything. There's a really smart word for it that Russell Brand uses, but I can't remember it now, but just taking what you can from anything and combining it and not following any dogma to a T, taking something from one religion, taking something from another, yeah. taking all these little bits and whatever works for you, as I said, life. nobody has the answers. No. Just make your own. And that, that's what it is about creating a bespoke package just for yourself. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's up to you. Completely. To that At the end of the day, you're the one that creates it. Asking other people's opinions and knowledge and stuff is essentially learning. Like, that's all learning is. You know? Yeah. However you do it, just learn. Become, like, a... Like, create a desire for knowledge. Mm. Like, I always say passion grows positivity. Like... Mm. If you're passionate about something, you will inevitably become good. Inevitably, that will turn into like a financial reward because other people will buy into it. You know, it will work if you are passionate enough and if you are proactive enough. Like it will, guaranteed. That's like one that of the things. passion is that fire to learn more and to achieve more and to keep driving towards that one goal. Yeah, because success isn't a financial year. It's like, like however you measure it is up to you. But success is just about creating something that you want to do, you know, mm you're happy everyone breaks that down don't they the end goal is to be happy and to enjoy every day and you know be content so start working start now yeah if there's one thing we can leave you with today is just start now whatever yeah. that means to you just start going just whether do it's it. reading <laughs> listening find something you like and dive into it and take every road that feels right to you say yes to things like harvey says take, don't be scared yeah. to take a different option or completely divert your life or take another route way up risk and reward yeah because the, the yeah actually make a list see see what the pros are what the cons are because a lot of the time the cons are in your own head and they don't exist and they won't happen rationalize it too yeah you have to you know you can't let emotion write the pros and cons yeah and you'd be like oh because it'll make me feel good <laughs> oh, because, like no they don't really count like facts, rationalise thoughts because you don't know the headspace you're in when you're there. Mm. So don't rely on emotions for things, you know. Take that breath. Yeah. Take the breath and take time to think and be aware about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> start now, everyone. Start today. Start right now. You know I mean, Roy's got a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm at the start. I'm, everyone's at the start. <laughs> I've got more, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that wraps up another one. As always, record at the barn. Thank you, Meg, Thank producing you. and editing, Atlas Audio, sound engineering, mastering, themes. Thank you to Harriet. Try Viva the artwork. <laughs> it's actually incredible. You I've had, had it with overnight today. Yeah. yeah, overnight oats. I've had the sustain. Like yeah. we've done all our workouts on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so HHT ten. <laughs> Big up. Nailed it. And thank you again, Harvey. Thank you very it's much. It's been a fucking Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it so much. No, it's been brilliant. Meg, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening and watching, if you did. Love you lots. Peace.